Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lavish Hope, a podcast that highlights stories of resilience and overcoming. In this space, we explore what it means to be resilient in today's world, how to overcome challenges and find hope that is generous, abundant, and even extravagant. It's a hope that is deeply rooted in our faith, not some theoretical ideal, but gritty, real, hard-won faith. It connects us with the prophet's powerful, assuring message, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And our hope is that you'll come away from these episodes feeling encouraged and inspired with perhaps a new tip or tool to help you on your life's journey. So come along with us and embrace lavish hope. Welcome, Laura Lynn Vasquez, my good friend in Temecula, California. Welcome to Lavish Hope with Liz Testa, Stories of Resilience and Hope. So grateful that you had the time to join me for uh, a conversation around some of your experiences with hope and resilience and overcoming. I know you've got so many stories you could share with our listeners, um, but I'm excited to hear what God has put on your heart to share with us today. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Laura Lynn. Wow. I was, um, I live in Temecula, California, born and raised in Southern California, uh, yet I've lived all over the United States with my work and career. We have traveled and lived in, um, in Texas. I mean, uh, not Texas. We lived in Tennessee. We've lived in Georgia. I've lived in Oregon and um, Northern California, Southern California. So I've lived in some different cultural contexts uh, throughout my life. So, but when I was born, um, I was born in, to a young mama and she was 20 years old when she had me and her and my dad, they were together. They were very, very happy, but it was a rough beginning as anyone can imagine. And um, uh, a rough childhood. In fact, there, there was divorce and then uh, second marriage There was domestic violence. And so I was raised in a real, I call it junk. There was a lot of junk in my home uh, mm-hmm. with abuse that happened, uh, but they were solid believers and they loved the Lord and their messiness, you know, mm-hmm. which sometimes people say that's really hard. Like how, how could they have been believers and, and, you know, had a violent home? Well, it, we're all fallen. Yep. We all have our junk and, and that's, that's just what it was. And they were, they were working it out and um, part of their pain, you know, ended up on us kids. But um, in college is when I really finally understood the grace of God. And, and I don't know if you know of a, a theologian, a writer, he's now passed away, but his name was Brennan Manning. Okay. And he came to Westmont College and he shared the gospel in a way I had never heard before. And here I was at this Christian school and um, living my own kind of rebellious, figuring out who I am life as <laughs> a, most college kids are, you know. And he came to chapel and he started speaking about this grace of God that I'd never heard before. Mm. Yet I'd been raised in the church, right? So I, of course I knew the grace message, but uh, you know, it was the Holy Spirit moment. I was open. He was sharing and um, I couldn't stop crying for weeks afterwards. Like I understood this grace of Jesus that he loved me no matter what. And, you know, so that was kind of the start of my, my adult faith journey that I had in my life. So I've now been married for 30 years with a man I met that year right after that. I met him 
and uh, we have three biological girls, one who's married to an incredible man, and then we have uh, unofficially adopted an international student, Christy Lee, who lives with us and is with us on a regular basis. She's now in college at APU, but so that's kind of who we are a little bit. That's beautiful. Um, Laurelyn, I love that. I love the way you're kind of narrating your early childhood experiences. And then when you really came to understand the gospel of grace uh, as a young adult, and I'm just wondering, can you share with, with our listeners, uh, what does resilience mean to you? And, you know, as you're thinking about how it's like, how, as you're thinking about your, your past experiences, how has it, how has that shaped you and shaped your understanding of resilience? Yeah, resilience is is bouncing back. Um, and so as a child of abuse, um, there wasn't a lot of resilience. I was a fearful kid. I just wanted to hide. Like literally there is, I have a very vivid memory of hiding underneath mm-hmm. uh, bed when abuse was happening. Um, but as I became an adult, I realized that uh, I could either stay as a victim and allow my perpetrators, the abusers, to continually abuse me emotionally, mentally, or I could learn some resiliency. I could learn how to bounce back. And so, you know, with that was therapy and reading and, um, you know, going to things like Celebrate Recovery. Through all that, I learned that I, that no matter what's happened in my life, um, that I've got to grieve, I've got to wrestle out the pain and disappointment, and that's when I can learn to bounce back. And so as a kid, you know, there'd be times like that, that um, you would walk out of the house and put on a happy face, right? And so mm-hmm. you learn to be resilient in that way. I wanted to succeed at school or I wanted to succeed in friendship. And so as a kid, you're learning to bounce back. Um, but then when you get to an adult, there's something funny that happens. You kind of lose your resiliency a little bit because I think those years of fear when you haven't really dealt with it can take over. And so, you know, to be able to overcome that childhood abuse, I had to really wrestle it out. I had to grieve and, um, I had to face it head on. Like, this is what happened then. That's not who I am today. And so that's, that's part of that for me, that was that resiliency going through the process of what happened and, you know, doing something different, taking thoughts captive. There's certain tools and tricks that I had to learn along the way. But I think it's through that child abuse is where I learned the first steps of resilience and then taking it into adulthood, learning how to step back and um, do something different from it. So that, you know, that's how you can let go and heal is when you can face something also. Mm-hmm. So. Can you give us maybe uh, like an example, like tell us a, a story, uh, walk us through an experience that you had, maybe could be recently, maybe of where you mm-hmm. had to step into that resiliency. Yeah. So, you know, so as a young adult, when um, I found myself wanting to hide, so as a child, I would literally hide and I learned to retrieve. I learned to get out of harm's way. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as a young adult, when I was doing that, whether it was in my marriage, you know, instead of, Ooh, that hurt and grieve, I would go into a real ugly place. I could get really angry. Um, I could just snap like that mm-hmm. and just become angry that fight or flight. I was going to either fight sure. or I want to flight. Those were, those were my two things that I did. Um, and so I have had to learn these skills along the way 
of, okay, you don't want to go into anger. You don't want to flight, you know, you know, fight or flight. You don't want to do either of those. So what can you do? So recently I had a job change and this is a skill that I've had to use over and over in my adult career when disappointment happens. So when a disappointment happens, um, you want to do either one, right? Whether it's a disappointment in your marriage, relationships, friends, church, (laughs) disappointment happens Mm -hmm. or in um, your career. And so recently, you know, COVID has happened. The world has changed and I had to have a job change. And, um, why was it disappointing? I love my job. I think I had the best job ever. In fact, we had talked a couple of years ago about me potentially changing my job and bringing on somebody new. And so in my mind, I had this intentional plan that I was going to do. Well, you know, the best laid intentions, um, get changed and COVID happened and, um, church budgets changed. Yeah. Uh, people going to church changed. I was a group life pastor. And so of course that, there's not a lot of people doing group life right now, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we're isolated, we're on Zoom. <clears throat> and so my job needed to change abruptly. And so within five minutes, <laughs> I found myself uh, having some choices of a, a new position um, or not, you know? And so wow. I could have had the choice to get really angry or I could have taken the choice to just quit. Mm-hmm. And neither one of those are resilient. Both of those mm-hmm. are either fighting or fighting. And so I had to, you know, hold it together in that moment. And I held it together in that moment. And then I went and, and I cried and I grieved and the loss. And this isn't what I wanted it to be. And, you know, I have safe people that I could do that with. And, and I did it with them. Um, and, you know, I got all my anger out. Journaling is a huge tool that mm-hmm. I use. You know, so I spent a lot of time crying out to God and journaling. And and when I say a lot of time, it was actually a couple of days. I was able to just go to, I I had the tools. So I knew to go to like, okay, this is, this is what's happening. And then I had a dear friend and this friend is actually someone who I just started a business with a a cultural intelligence business. And he said, Mm -hmm. okay, if we were dealing with a company, how would you do this? And he showed me how to walk through the path of empathy, the exact tools we teach other people. He's like, let's do this on on ourselves right now. And we walk through the path of empathy to sit in their shoes on what's happening with them, why these decisions had to be made. And truly, I was able to say, okay, I can come out on the other side, hold my head up high. I knew in the back of my head because of past experience and practice in this, that I was going to be the best employee no matter where I started, right? (laughs) So it's like, I I can do this. I can do Mm -hmm. this. Um, But I still had to wrestle through the feelings of wanting to be the best employee, right? Right, right. Wherever I serve. And and so truly that's how I was able to bounce back is to, you know, grieve it, wrestle through it, and then use the tools of empathy. That's so great. And you know what? I love that you're you're kind of uh, articulating this vision for us of you have fight and you have flight and then you're actually naming a third way something that that lives in a different space called resiliency so it's it's almost like I love this concept um of fight flight or resiliency mm-hmm. and and that that's a really yeah. that's that's an exciting that's an exciting thing to think about and so um I'm wondering if you can tell us a little bit more about, you said that you spoke with your colleague and that you've got this company. Um, 
can you tell us a little bit about that and and then maybe talk a little bit about the path of empathy and sort of some of the framework that you guys engage in i think it's so needed let me let me just say laura lynn that i think right now this world needs more tools around how to be resilient and how to be empathic i mean i think that's we've you know especially here in in the united states we've we've really because of so many there's so many pressing things right that we're just in this kind of um, container right now that's just vibrating with anxiety and fear and and very real life challenges and mm-hmm. we do need we we need tools we need processes that can help us to kind of recover from that and to find hope I mean hope is that's that's so critical and as, as people who follow Jesus we want to always point people towards where that hope comes from but also how do we make that real for ourselves and then so the resilience and the overcoming are like part of how we rise up yeah. in hope right so yeah. tell us a little bit about your about your your company your Work so it's, it's Signy, Signy Consulting is the name of it. And it's mm-hmm. Signy is for like your signature, you know, your thumbprint that you're leaving on places. And nice. so we turn nice. difference, difference into opportunity. So now diverse people are genuinely interested in what you're doing. And, and so with that, you know, there are um, companies like recently in the news has been a lot about the company of Amazon and Whole Foods and the merger that they had. Uh, there were two different cultures that tried to come together and boy, do they struggle a lot. In fact, some would say they failed. They didn't work out well. Others would say that they just had a lot of bumps along the way. Sure. Um, but instead of really negotiating the company culture, they, you know, there was other negotiations that, that took place. And, and I see this with um, churches. So there's a lot of churches that are merging. Um, one is struggling. And so another church will come along inside and, there'll be difficulties. They'll struggle mm-hmm. and say, we're losing our culture. We're losing who we are because the majority group, generally the larger church or the larger organization is going to take over the culture of the smaller one. And so there's these differences, differences, and often it doesn't work. Yeah, so you'll sure. see, you'll see, uh, I've seen this with church mergers, you know, they'll come together and then the people from the smaller church that came in, they'll end up leaving or that pastor will end up leaving. And mm-hmm. it's very painful. What happens, yeah. what, what happened? Like you guys needed help and we're here to help you and now you don't want our help, right? Um, and so uh, Signy will come in and will actually really help not only negotiate that culture that we're looking for, but will actually help both groups walk through the journey of empathy with one another. And so we do this through workshops. We do this through literally like you're working it out. Um, research and time together, building that relationship is, is significant. But we also work with, you know, companies that are going abroad or missionaries going abroad, schools bringing in international students. Your culture will change. The cultures are different. Um, and then churches wanting to reach out, churches and companies, organizations wanting to reach out to a diverse people group. So our town in Temecula is changing. We have 25% Hispanic in our town. And I bet with the new census, it's going to be even bigger. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a predominant white culture here in town is going to want to have clients, right? And want to have a church that's diverse and, and bring them in. So how do they do that? And we want to do it in a way that is non-shaming, that is mm-hmm. non, um, you know, using terms that make you feel bad about yourself. No, we are just simply learning to walk the road of empathy, learning to love God and love others well. 
Beautiful. I, I'm so intrigued by this concept of, um, of, of building relationships and creating space for difference. I have to say, Laurelyn, something that I've been really seeing a lot in the work that, that we're doing in, in my ministry area around dismantling racism, one of the things that's bubbling up more and more is this need to invest in relationships and and as you know a lot of places are trying to they're trying now to live into this vision for for drawing the circle wide and welcoming in more of God's children to places of leadership and of authority and how do we make that shift it's this thing i'm i've been running around in my head about like going from having hiring people for example or bringing people in or associating with people who are a cultural fit mm-hmm. as opposed to people that are a cultural ad and the thing is, when you have the cultural ad, you can bring in somebody, right? Or just as you're saying, like, you know, these these different people groups can get together. But if you don't actually get everybody on the same page about kind of how we're going to do life together, it can just sort of either it implodes miserably or it just sort of, as you said, like it just sort of people trickle away. So I'm just wondering if you might have a word for us on, on you know, what's a, what's a strategy for that? Um, or what, what do you find particularly hopeful in your work with Signe that kind of points to that vision of, of, of embracing the, cult, the concept of the cultural ad, if you will? So we, we kind of want to start with that we definitely you want a cultural ad. That's so important. When you're saying you want to have people fit into your culture, then it, that's a mono culture, right? That's just one. And you won't get a diverse culture. So if you're mm. intentional and in that you want to have diversity, you can't have diversity. It won't last. In fact, research says it, it'll blow up by just hiring people unless you raise your cultural intelligence. So we talk about mm-hmm. D&I a lot, diversity and inclusion. And sure, I include him. He's my friend or she's my friend. And um, But here's one of the tools that we use. So we've all heard of the golden rule, right? Mm-hmm. Treat others as you want to be treated. Well, here's the problem. When I'm treating people how I want to be treated, I'm not treating them how they want to be treated. And so I, I don't really think that that is what Jesus meant, that everybody's to, to accept how I'm treating them, right? Because, I mean, we could play that out. That's horrible. Instead, I need to understand how do they want to be treated? Mm-hmm. What is love to them? So, you know, my husband loves to help me, loves to help me all the time. Sometimes I don't want his help <laughs> or, or vice versa, right? So a story that I tell is that we had international students come and live with us. And at the dinner tables where we're supposed to be practicing English. And so come in. So I would just, I get frustrated that they were so quiet. They were so silent. And I'm like, maybe they just need to get to know me. And maybe they just need to understand who we are. And it was I, I, I. One day, one of our students, one of our first students came home and she bursted into tears. And she said, the teacher's marking me down because I'm not participating, but they're not calling on me. Mm -hmm. And a light bulb went off in my head. I'm not inviting her to talk. And it's not even about giving her permission, which she was wanting permission, but it's also inviting her saying, hey, hon, what do you think? Instead, I'm expecting her to just jump into my world, right? To respond how I would want to be responded to. Mm -hmm. So I think that is really significant in um, our desire to be diverse is that Mm -hmm. we've got to have a, a motivation to want to know them and understand them and how can we respond in a way that is love to them. That's beautiful. I so appreciate that too. I, I went to a seminary 
with um, graduate school where there were a lot of students, international students, and particularly from Asia. And that was absolutely, it was something that we had to navigate was that concept of sort of as, as Americans were very forthright, all generations talk to each other. It's kind of, you know, egalitarian in that way. And then really in, in some many global cultures, you you would never speak out unless you were called on. So um, I love that that you brought up that story. That's a beautiful. It's a beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful example of like how when you sort of check yourself right and ask what 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 do they need when you said you know how do they want to be um, engaged with it actually can open up a whole world of relationship. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful, Laurelyn. So I'm wondering if you can tell us um, <laughs> where do you find resilience when you don't have any easily accessible? <laughs> yeah, when it's drained out of you. Yeah. So 2020 has been a difficult, yes, right? And we want 2020 to be behind us and we mm. want to just move forward. Um, so, you know, for me, I'm on my knees, literally. Like you've got to fill up the well. And so I have this picture that I use. It's, I, I learned it in one of my seminary classes called pitcher, cup, saucer, plate. So if you can imagine a pitcher, right? A pitcher of water and you're pouring it into um, a cup and then below it is the little plate saucer and then like a fountain and overflowing into the plate, right? So the pitcher is my, my meditation, my time with the Lord. Um, and I believe whatever faith practice you are, science has shown us how important meditation is. And so I've got to be filled up, you know, mm-hmm. by my maker. And so he's filling me up. Only then can it overflow into others. And so, you know, with, with COVID and whether you've been physically sick or just emotionally drained, we're drained. So we need even more time meditating. And, and that is really important, you know, making sure you have time to go on your walks or whatever it is that fills you, mm-hmm. we've got to do. But we also can't use that filling to escape, right? So we've got to make sure that then we are overflowing out of that abundance, we're able to overflow into whoever it is, whether it's your family, your spouse. Um, and that's where resilience comes is, you know, actively, actively spending that time centering yourself. Um, and then it also comes with, you know, my journaling, I've got to check what, where am I out of whack? <clears throat> you know, mm-hmm. when I'm getting snappy and short or sarcastic, I have to go, oh, okay, what, what's happening here? I have to be willing to have that open stance to hear feedback mm-hmm. and feedback from my kids, <laughs> you know, from my husband, from my employees, my employer, you know, and really be willing. I've, I've heard some really hard feedback um, this year. Uh, one, I think people are more willing to give it <laughs> this year because we're all a little snappy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but two, because we're in our own patterns, you know, that's the, the therapeutic word for I'm in my pattern, that I need to hear it more than ever. So having that willingness to hear feedback is very important for resiliency also because that's how we grow. That's great. So you were saying it's pitcher, cup, saucer, plate. Yeah. Can you Check just color. quickly say what cup, saucer, and plate are? Yeah. So Chuck Miller was my professor. And so he, he was, he taught out of Fuller and in different places, the journey Institute. But so the pitcher is, you know, our, our maker. And then the cup is, is myself. And then the saucer, that's my immediate people who I'm ministering to, who I'm interacting with. So whether it's, you know, the students at my school that I'm a chaplain with or the congregation or my immediate family. Okay. That's my, 
my saucer and then I'm over or overflowing into the plate, right? That's the immediate. So when I think of Jesus, I think of those are the seven people, right? Uh The community around him, the the other people. And so I'm pouring into my 12 to use that analogy and pouring into my immediate and pour into theirs. And so that's out of that overflowing, that fountain that just keeps on going. That's beautiful. That ripple effect of resilience. I love that. Um, Do you have, you just mentioned the 70, so we're getting into scripture a little bit. Do you have um, a favorite verse or a quote that inspires you to embrace hope and be resilient? You know, one of my first verses is is, um, Romans 8. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That whole idea of I'm not condemned. And that really helps me with resiliency. When I blow it or when there's stuff around me, you know, I don't, I don't have to worry about that because, um, you know, I'm in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. And, and that's always been just really beautiful for me. And, and then, you know, that Philippians passage, um, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure and right, think, think on those things. Um, that's taking that thought captive. So when that horrible thing that's just happened to you and you want to either fight or flight, I got to think on the positive things. I got to think of what's true about me. What's true about Mm. the situation? What is lovely? You know, what is lovely about this right now? Um, What is kind? What is the truth about what's happening right now? And, And then, you know, it allows me to go, okay, where is God in this moment and in this situation? And, um, so that the Philippians uh, one nine has really been a strong, steadfast verse for me. So beautiful. Thank you for that inspiration from scripture. And just one final question for you, Laurelyn. How are you cultivating hope today? Hmm. Well, today I'm actually, I've got a few things going on, a, a workshop with Signe, uh, which is going to be really impacting, I think, a whole state which is pretty fabulous. That's great. So we're hoping for that ripple effect, right. And working with a company to actually write a curriculum. And so that's pretty exciting that, you know, we're going to just be guiding them on how to have empathy for their, their whole state, which is a very diverse state. So that's pretty cool. So that brings me hope that, you know, we're going to have 25 people that are going to be wanting to be instilling hope in the world around them at a time when we need hope. Amen. Thanks so much, Laura Lynn, for that wonderful um, conversation around where you've cultivated resilience, use your life experiences, how you're channeling it into your gifts and calling today to help have that ripple effect out into the world that so needs it, so needs it right now. Um, Laura Lynn, if people want to find out about Signe, how do they, uh, what, what, do you have a website or information that they could find? easily? We do. So signy.org. Uh, so signy.org is our website or signyconsulting.org. You can go there. You can also email me. You can find me all over social media, but we are, we are on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Signy is, as well as myself. Um, you know, I'm all over on social media. And then my email is pretty simple. Lynn at signy.com. So you can find me that way. And I, I'd love to talk more. Talking culture, that's it, our obsession. It's, you know, that is what we love to do. Because I truly believe, like, you know, that verse in um, Revelation 7, you know, all tribes, tongues, and nations, you know, that vision that we have of everybody coming together. Mm-hmm. Well, that's going to take intention. And for the kingdom yes. of heaven to come here on earth, that's going to take intention of God's people, his church, to be out there 
to be leading with empathy. It sure is. And it sounds like Signe has got a little um, a little inside scoop on how to help bring that into reality. So I, I hope, hope so. I, I do I, believe it's, it's something. That's great. That's great. Well, Laurelyn, thank you so much for coming by the podcast today. Lavish hope and for sharing a bit of your story and what God is doing in your life and the ways that it's having ripple effects for whole states. That's a beautiful story of hope right there. <laughs> uh, I'm hoping so. Thank you. Thank you, Liz, for having me on. I love what you do. I just, I love it. I love who you are and the hope that you have bring, brought to so many people, men and women around the world, I think is really exciting. So thank you. Thank you for having Thanks me. Thanks so much. You know, it's a group effort. We do it. We do it together. We want to go far. So we go together. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you.